All right, if you have a Bible, you'll want to find Psalm 90. Psalm 90. How many of you brought your Bible with you today? Excellent. So all across the year, this will be a great thing to do when you come to the house of the Lord, is to bring the Word of the Lord. How many of you got a new Bible? Anybody got a new one? Yeah? Okay, good, good. Great for you. Well, uh, we are in a series that we're starting today that's going to be uh, about the time of your life. And we are pretty concerned with time, by and large. In fact, uh, you have, across the years of your life, asked, what time is it? What, probably hundreds of times? And you'll do so again this year. Hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. What time is it? What time? In fact, uh, and, and this service is almost always over about the same time, within the span of two or three minutes. But some of you are still going to be checking your watch over these next few minutes just to make sure. You know, how's he doing there? I uh, want to make sure that, uh, you know, whatever big thing, if it's a Seahawk game, you've got plenty of time and it's not worth watching anyway, right? So <laughs> I just offended every Hawk fan. In the, okay, sorry about that. They've just been a disappointment to me. So Uh, probably a more important question than what time is it is what am I doing with my time? I think we'd all be in agreement with that, right? That's a better question. That's a more important question. What am I doing with my time? Because uh, the reality is for some of us, time just seems like it's moving so quickly, so fast. And the older we get, that it, it's a reality. It just moves. It just seems to move more quickly. I mean, when we were kids, it seemed like Christmas would never get here, right? And now we've had it, and, and it's like New Year's Day. Tomorrow is Easter, and the day, the day after that's summer vacation, and the day after that it's Christmas. I got about a week to get ready for Christmas. Can't believe it. Time does move so quickly. And some of us have less time to live it than some others. And, of course, the mysterious piece there is we don't know who has more time than others, who has less time than others. And so it behooves us, if we're going to spend time well, that we do so with the end in mind. So those of you that have ever pursued a degree... You had an end in mind. This is what I think I can do with that degree. This is the degree that I think that I want to have. Then you get the catalog and go, okay, what's it going to take to get the degree? And you would back up all the way to the beginning courses, to the advanced courses, to the final courses to get that degree. You have to begin with the end in mind. But here's the deal. Who knows what the end is for life? Well, the good news is God does. And the good news is he wants us to do life with him in such a way that we can do it with the end in mind. So as we get older, some of us are discovering the question is not so much how old am I? Remember when you used to get that question all the time? How old, how old are you? And you go, well, I'm like 12 and a half, 12 and three quarters. I'm almost 13. Or I'm 15 and a half. I'll soon be driving. I'm almost 16. Remember when how old I am was the question. But for a lot of us, the question more is now how much time do I have left? It's moving so quickly. 
if I'm going to get something done, I better get it done now. I better get with it now. I don't know how much time I have left. And so I want to get to what I see at the end with that in mind. Let's get cheered up a little bit. I'm already getting too morose. Let's go to the book of Job for some inspiration. I see some of you are familiar with Job. So Job lifts us by saying, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. And God bless you. You know, a weaver's shuttle. It's got all the, you know, fabrics and so on. And then there it is. As fast as that weaver's shuttle moved is my life. Job said in 9.25, my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away seeing no good. Just puts a spring in your step, doesn't it? (laughs) And this service today is not about depressing you. It's not about bringing you down. It's about the reality, though, that life is fast. Life is quick. Life is brief. If you're at the earlier part of life, it doesn't seem that way at all. It seems slow. But the longer you live, the greater your perspective on things are. You get it. It moves so quickly. And thus we come to the book of Psalms to get some help. To be able to to see toward the end so that we can begin with the end in mind. Now, uh, if I say Psalms, most of you will begin to think, oh, David. Because David wrote a lot of the Psalms. He didn't write all the Psalms, though. The book of Psalms is a collection of Psalms, and David is one of the primary authors of uh, a lot of them. But the Psalm we're going to look at today is authored by Moses. Now, Moses was an interesting guy, right? A lot of you know, a little bit at least, if not a lot, about Moses. You know that he was a Hebrew and that he was raised by Egyptians. And so he was a little bit out of place. He didn't know that always. In the early years, he thought he was an Egyptian, being raised by Egyptians. You know, he learned to walk like an Egyptian and talk like an Egyptian. And uh, a little bit later in his adulthood, he began to discover, you know what? I'm not an Egyptian. I am a Hebrew. And he began to get a little sense of what God might be up to with all of that. Uh, And he began to get stirred about the oppression and the slavery that was being imposed upon the Hebrew people by the Egyptians. And he was stirred to the point that he thought he needed to do something about that. And God was, you know, kind of preparing him to be this deliverer type figure that he would ultimately be. But he kind of took a miscue on all that, even though he was beginning to see a little bit further down toward the end. He took some missteps on that, and one day he sees an Egyptian beating, just pounding on this Hebrew. And he goes, and in the attempt to stop it all, he kills the guy. And one thing leads to another, and Moses has to flee for his life. And the prince of Egypt becomes a wanderer out in the wilderness. The guy who has the palace is now a peasant. And the guy who had everything now has nothing as he's on the backside of Midian, backside of nowhere. And from about age 40 to about age 80, he's doing nothing. 
And for a lot of us, we consider those to be like the prime years. The best years that we have to make a contribution, to make a difference, to do something with our life, and to use our gifts and abilities and our talents and things like that. And he's out there watching sheep. And at night, he sleeps with sheep. And then it's the next day, and he's watching sheep for 40 years. So here's a guy that has a background that gets it on, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with life? And how do I get at that? What role does God play in all that? Because this is his story. So after he uh, spends this time out in the wilderness, God engages him uh, with the whole burning bush thing and begins to, to make more clear the point of his life. It took him 80 years to get to the point of his life. Do you know what's the point? Why are you here? What's God up to? If God is this great author of life and he's made you a character in his story, what's the point of the plot of your life? What chapter are you in? What page in the chapter is today? Do you get what's the point? So if there's anybody that has some cred to speak to us about all of this, it's Moses. And we're going to begin reading. So if you have your Bible open now to that, let's look at Psalm 90, beginning with verse 1. So this is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. you got to pause there for a minute. From everlasting to everlasting. Just kind of let that sink in. That's like bookends. And everything in the middle is God. Okay, everlasting to everlasting, God all over this, your life, just, just, just a little pinhead right there, somewhere between everlasting and everlasting. God is over the whole thing. Your life, little pinhead from everlasting to everlasting. He says, verse 3, you, speaking of God, you return man to dust. And say, return, O children of man. Okay, so you have to kind of get that. You have to kind of get in the uh, Lord of the Rings mode or Narnia mode where, you know, one of the great characters is saying, return to dust, O man. Right? That's, that's, that's kind of the picture of God over your life and over my life. You came from dust. At some point he says, return to dust. That's how small your life is. That's how small my life is. The, the pinhead from everlasting to everlasting. He never has a beginning. He never has an end. We, we're just dust. And we return to dust. 
For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. See, the contrast continues. A thousand years like a day. So it's like yesterday to God was the beginning of the Crusades. It's like two days ago was the birth of Jesus. It's like three days ago, David was king in Israel. Boom, boom, boom. If you want to get it even worse, he says, uh, not only like uh, a thousand years uh, in your sight, but it's like a watch in the night. A watch in the night is like three hours. A watch in the night, a thousand years ago. A watch in the night, two thousand years ago, etc. In my life, in your life, pinhead. Look with me um, on down to verse 10. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we will fly away. Here's the way the book of James says it in the New Testament. Your life is like a mist. You go out on a cold morning, and you blow a little frost, a little mist, that's your life. Now, I'm not trying to depress you. I'm really not. I'm not trying to. Uh, the big idea today is not your life is really insignificant. That's not the big idea. The big idea is that God is big. God is awesome. God is everything, and that is the context of our lives. Our lives only have existence and any significance whatsoever in God. Because we are too small. We are too brief to make any kind of impact on from everlasting to everlasting. Our only hope is to be in God and have some significance in all of what He is doing. Because we don't have enough time to make a name for ourselves. We don't have enough time to make ourselves great. Now you think about all the great people that have ever lived, that history or that culture would say was great. I mean, right now, uh, President Obama has been all over the news. He's in the news every day. Uh, former President Bush has been a lot in the news lately. He's got the new book out and so on. It's a bestseller. And he's, he's in the news a lot. A hundred years from now, they, they will be a little footnote in history. A thousand years from now, they'll be a footnote of a footnote. Now, I, uh, right now, we make a big deal about Bill Gates because he's the richest guy in the world. And he's got a huge foundation and his foundation, when all said and done, will probably have given more toward education and poverty eradication and, and uh, med medical inoculation and all that kind of stuff. It would probably make more of a difference than any other kind of foundation that's ever been before it. It won't be long till he'll be forgotten. I, I'm not of the generation that was familiar with Carnegie or the Rockefellers. Or, or some of the others that we, but I, I, you know, I've read a little bit of history. I know a little bit about the impact they made. But you know what? Give us a couple of hundred years more, we won't have a clue. It'd be, uh, all these people that we've considered great, that are all over the news, all the celebrities that are so big right now, on the cover of all the magazines, 
There is no greatness there. See, we get so caught up in this little minuscule life and world, and we ascribe a little, you know, flash of light in their direction, a little celebrity in their and Look who just, I saw in the airport, you know. And yet God, with whom a thousand years is like a day, who has been from everlasting to everlasting, who encompasses it all, who is above it all, is right here in the room with us right now. That's the... In all of His greatness, He would see fit to honor us with His presence right now. Stunning! You mean I could, I could verbalize praise to Him and it would take notice? I could sing a song to Him that would move Him in some kind of... And yet... This life seems so big to us. I got this email stuff I got to deal with. I got this boss. I got this work. I got this spouse. I got this kid. I don't have a kid. I got this. I don't. I... No. Pinhead. Missed. God. So. Verse 10, the years of our life are 70, maybe 80. And then verse 11 gets to be really hard. It's already been hinted at in a couple of verses prior, and I saved it till we got to verse 11 to just get at it. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Now, that's a pretty good translation of what the ancient words say. But just being able to translate doesn't mean we we'll always get the meaning. Right. So what does that mean? I mean, look at it again. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Basically, what that is trying to say is this. If we could just get it. How big, how great, how glorious, how marvelous, how majestic you are. It changed our lives. That's basically what that's saying. If we could just begin to get it, it would change our lives. And we would spend time in the context of you, of drawing attention to you, of making your name great, rather than trying to do something with our little... See, the glory of God. I mean, what a concept. Who, who can get it in its fullness? I mean, we can kind of get it. We get it a little bit. But, but who can get it in a great way? The glory of God. I mean, if there was anybody that got close to the glory of God, it was Moses, right? You remember? And, and in this exchange that Moses has with God on the mountainside... He said, uh, God, would you grant it that I could behold your glory? And I, I imagine God withheld a big snicker. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Because Moses didn't know what he was asking. 
And so God graciously said, Moses, no, I can't let you see my glory. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put my hand over your eyes. I will pass by you. And then as I am past you, I will remove my hand from your eyes. And you'll be able to see the backside of my glory. I don't even know what that means. I I don't don't fully get it. But the imagery is is to say he gets a little... You know, backdraft, a little little afterglow look. Not not a big look, just a little afterglow look. Are you with me? And it turns his face and his hair completely white. It so blows him away, he has to hide his countenance when he comes back to the people, else he'd freak them out. They'd all be running for the hills. He'd come down, they'd be going, ah, you know, and they'd all be jetting out of there. So he, he veils himself to hide that he has been in the glory of God, the afterglow of God. I love the story, you know, all the way near the end of the New Testament where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that? And there he was praying and he was getting ready to go to the cross. And the temple guards come to arrest him. They've got Judas there with him. And he's like, hey, Judas, you know, which one is he? Because he's there with all of his disciples. And Judas goes and betrays him with the kiss, right? And so now the guards know who Jesus is. And so they come over and they grab him, they apprehend him, and say, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And what was his reply? He said, I am. And they all fell over. All those, everybody, boom, hit the ground. What did he say? I am. Boom, everybody's on the ground. What happened? Those of you that know your Bible know. When God told Moses to go to Egypt to set his people free from Pharaoh, Moses said what? He asked what? Well, who's, who am I going to say sent me? What's your name, God? And God said, my name is I Am. Now, there's a whole lot that we could talk about that. That's another whole message for another day. But the short of it is it's an ancient word on the root of to be, I Am. Or it can mean I am what I am and so on. And it's this big encompassing, I'm it. I'm everything. Okay? I am. And so when they come up to Jesus and they say, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he goes, I am. I mean, he lets the the name of God come out of his mouth. And it was like, oops, didn't mean to just blow you away. I mean, they all fell over. Because just a little glimpse of glory came out at that point. And so what Moses is saying in this prayer is is if we could just get it just a little bit of how great he is from everlasting to everlasting. Then we would honor him. We would give him his due. We would spend everything that is within us to make his name great, to draw attention to him, for others to be able to see who he is. And what he's like. If we could just see just a little more clearly. Who he is and what he's like. We would live more purposefully. How do you get there? See, That's a little bit of the end that you begin with that end in mind. How do you get there? Well, Moses teaches us to pray. Let's look at verse 12. 
So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Why? So that we can get a heart of wisdom. So that we can get it. So that we can see. So that we can appreciate life for what it is and for what it is not. Now, you know what it means to number your days. Those of you that, you ladies that have been married, if we've been able to get hold of you when you were engaged and we say, when are you getting married? Oh, it's four months and three days and two hours. You have it numbered. Those of you that uh, just came out of final exams in school, if I had gotten you a couple of weeks before exams and I said, so when's those final exams? You could give me how much time you had until final exams because you were numbering it. You were, you were taking purposeful steps to get this done before final exams. Any of you that had surgery, once you get that date that the surgery, you start doing what you have to, you have, you're taking your certain medications, you, you're then stopping your intake of food. You're, you do whatever's necessary on those numbered days until you're at that point. Moses said, Lord, would you teach us to number our days? I don't know how many days I get. Have you guys seen that website, deathclock.com? Yeah, a couple of you. So not now, okay? But later you can surf and go look at that. And so I did that the other day, and you can put in a little personal information, and it'll actually boop, pop up the day you're going to die. I put it on my calendar. And it's a, you know, barring a car accident or something like that, it's out there somewhere. But I, I made it recurring so that it's every. Every year on a certain day, I'm reminded, oh, that's the day I'm going to die. <laughs> we can talk more about that later. But, uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about. With Moses, Lord, teach us the number of days. I don't know how many years God's going to give me. How many days God's going to give me. You don't know how many you get. He knows. And so if he's teaching us to number our days then with his power and with his inspiration, with his wisdom, he is helping us to number them, to order them, to, to get certain things done within certain time frames in the time of our life. And it gives us a heart of wisdom. You say wisdom for what? Well, wisdom about how, how do you rightly relate to God? How do you perceive and discern the things of God? Heart of wisdom. How do you rightly live in your marriage? Heart of wisdom. How do you rightly parent kids, particularly in this day? Heart of wisdom. How do you know when to make those career moves? Heart of wisdom. How do you know when to give to worthy causes? Heart of wisdom. Anybody need a heart of wisdom? God, teach me to number my days. I thought that was so important. We put that prayer in your program on the order of worship. Maybe you want to take that and put that somewhere where you can pray it. We're going to be encouraging you to pray it all the days of this series. Maybe it becomes a prayer that you pray all the days 
of your life. How will you live? Well, here's how most of us live in the United States of America. We're born. We have a few formative years in the home. We go to school. We get a job. And then at that point, we may get married. We may stay single. Or we may get married a second or a third or whatever. We may have kids or we may not. But eventually, we come to this point where we retire. We play a little bit, then we die. That's our script in this country. And I, for one, absolutely reject that script. I will not have that script. That will not be my story by God's grace. My story is a greater story than that. It's a higher, holier story. Not because there's something great about me. I'm dust. I'm missed. But because I've chosen to place the minuscule part that my story is into his meta-narrative, into his story, so that my matters. God can take my and do something eternal with that to his glory and for his purposes. That's how you live within the bookends of from everlasting to everlasting. You take your one and only, your little breath, and you put it in the hand of God and say, God, whatever you want to do with that breath, whatever you want to do with that 70 or 80 years, it's yours. And suddenly, this insignificant dust has eternal significance. How are you going to live your life? Will you live in order to fulfill God's purposes in you? That's the incredible thing about God. Somehow, in His wisdom, He gave us free will. It's choice. He's not going to take your arm and twist it and bend it until you live to His glory. He invites you to live to His glory. Will you? Our lives do have a point. And God is the point. Let's pray. Lord, even as we pause to pray, it's as if we can hear the ticking of a clock. And we're reminded that with every tick on the clock, a soul goes into eternity. It's over for them. And one of those ticks is for me. One of those ticks on the clock is for my friend out here. God, would you teach us to number our days? Would you teach us? Would you show us? Would you guide our steps so that we live life well to your glory? In Jesus' name.